filibuster is supported through patreon by listeners like you check us out at patreon.com slash filibuster we also get support from the ehrlich law office discrimination wage and litigation solutions for the district of columbia and northern virginia they handle workplace discrimination non-competition and non-solicitation litigation civil rights and a whole lot more for a free consultation go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash Guys, I'm not going to lie. Babysitters are sent straight from heaven. I've not been confident enough to uh, attempt a babysitter yet. Yeah, this was our first time uh, getting a babysitter and going out uh, on a purely social thing since since our son was born and um, our, our daughter, the three-year-old had, had some trouble dealing with it, but um, it actually ended up making her sleep a lot better. The, the anxiety she had with us being gone, um, which, you know, was its own benefit, I guess. But we went to a friend's uh, wedding shower slash stock the bar party on Saturday night. And, um, had a babysitter in and it, it went swimmingly and was wait, wonderful. Wait, 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 wait. I mean, you're, yes, your kids are lovely, but you can have a stock the bar party. Can, yeah. Can I tell you the uh, hazards of this uh, plan? Of having a stock the bar party? Yes. The hazards of this sort of plan. Uh, getting but yeah, bad you, you booze? Tell, you tell your friends that you cannot drink any of the booze that they're, that, that they're at this moment giving you. No, no. The, the hazard is that you tell your friends that you want you want them to purchase you a bunch of booze yes. and they get wind of it and become uh, more than a little irritated. And so they comply, but they buy the silliest booze they can get their hands on. Right. And Fireball. This, is, this was in lieu of a no, wedding no, no, no. shower. Not this... bad. Silly, like silly to the point of being useless uh, is what you want. Um, well, I do know where you can procure for, for... The, the honey liquor that uh, has a, a bear being trapped in a particularly savage way. If you actually think about what that trap does, it's like a, hollowed out log with a hole and the bear steps in the hole and then the bear hunter rolls the log and destroys the bear's leg and then has captured a bear. Um, and this is the the liquor that you drink, I guess, when you've done that. It is the traditional celebratory liquor. liquor. Yes. I will say this was in, in lieu of a traditional um, bridal shower and registry. It was the maid of honor hosting a stock, the bar party for the bride and groom. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know we're all in our 30s, so it it actually was pretty appropriate. I think right. a lot of people you, bought DC based booze. The, the impulse to just get revenge uh, yes. over uh, a thing like this. I mean, this meant that we didn't have to go on Amazon and try to think about which gift <coughs> in the registry really says us. Stand mixer, <laughs> stand mixer. Should we get them an instant pot? Uh, what? Uh, we didn't have to worry about that. We went to. Um, a, a local wine store grabbed a bottle of four roses because we have Kentucky connections and everyone else was going to get DC booze for them. And so it's the one time we, we went out of our way not to get um, a DC product. Single and barrel or small batch or regular four roses, small batch. Nice. Yeah. So uh, I think we, we did right by them and I didn't see what everyone else brought, but they, they may have actually gone for the revenge angle. Um, we we did not. 
So basically, you know, if you have this kind of party and all you get is 15 bottles of Jaeger, that all your friends actually hate you. Baron Jaeger. Is different from from <laughs> no, or, or just or regular Jaeger. I would rather have Baron Jaeger, which sounds like it has honey in it, than regular it's, Jaeger. It's almost entirely honey. It does um, not sound sounds, pleasant to me. I do, that, think, but that sounds way better than regular Jaeger. I do. I, I do have to say that the revenge angle at this age would be to buy someone exceedingly cheap and unwanted uh, booze like Jaeger, <laughs> <laughs> or I mean, like like or what we can, drank in college, which. Uh, I, I may have told part of this or most Rubble, of this before, but Rubble vodka. No, not ruble vodka. Uh, Vladimir vodka. Oh, yeah, yeah. Thank you uh, very much. Equivalent of ruble. Uh, I mean, you or, could go. You could go the Bowman's. other way. You could go completely the other way and go with the silly angle. Um, at at my friend's wine store in in Brookland, for some reason, they have two bottles of mezcal that are approaching two hundred dollars that are flavored mezcal. One of them is flavored. With ham, it is ham flavored <laughs> mezcal, and it costs one hundred and ninety dollars. So wait, 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 what? <laughs> like, what, what is the what is the real silly? If you want to get real silly, and also right. say I got you a really nice thing, what is the wholesale price on that ham flavored mezcal? It's probably pretty close to one hundred ninety. I don't think they're marking it up that really? much. That's... No, it's it's yeah, less than one hundred ninety, but it's it is it is I would an feel expensive better if it... wholesale. They have a single bottle of this one, and like... then a bottle of something else. I'd feel better if they had like one bottle of Vladimir vodka and then marked that up to one hundred and ninety dollars. <laughs> well, I guess to see if I, they could do it. Just see if they got a drunk right. Catholic student in. And I, I think I'm thrown by the idea that it's ham and not like pork or pork belly or some other. It's just ham. <laughs> ham. It might be. It's probably nice ham. Like you can have really I, good ham. Serrano I would, ham. I would ham. absolutely hope no. that this is the it's upper. Ham. This is the one percenter of ham. Yes, it, uh, it absolutely has. The one percenter of ham is like the one percenter of ham is like four bucks. <laughs> no, it's ham. That, that's wrong. It's not prosciutto. prosciutto it's not Spanish is, ham. It, Spanish ham is ham. Yeah, this I know, is, but it, it's modified by Spanish. Yes, this is mezcal. It's probably closer to that kind of ham than you know Kentucky. Here, wait, guys, I can settle this for us, uh, listeners. Please purchase us. A bottle <laughs> of this ham flavored mezcal, and we will drink it, and we will sort this whole thing. We'll do a whole episode trying to get to the bottom of this. Also, also, I, I admit that I'm wrong about ham because country ham is very good. So I retract all my ham statements. You're you're ruining the mystery. Then now we're not now only now. But still, we're not but, going to but still bias, still bias, still bias the ham vodka or ham mezcal. Ham, ham mezcal. Um, it's ham at Wardman Wines in their liquor section. If you buy it, I promise you, they will be ecstatic. And I will follow through. If if Ben and Adam are, have the good sense to not be a part of a whole episode dissecting this, I'll do it by myself. I, um, I'm in, dude. We will get to the bottom. <laughs> we'll of do the it this off season. If somebody happened. if somebody buys this for us, we will get to the bottom of it. I, if some if somebody buys us ham flavored mezcal, we'll do it in season. It doesn't matter. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Uh, I'll I'll make time for this. <laughs> hey hey, welcome in. This is filibuster, the Black and Red United mezcal Ham-cast. ham. Hamcast, yeah. Uh, I'm Adam Taylor. They are Ben Bromley, Jason Anderson. We're all from blackandredunited.com, SB Nation's fan site for and ham. community for ham and DC United. Right now, though, mostly ham. A little bit of mezcal, mostly ham, though. Uh, we've got a fun show for you tonight. We are going to talk about all the ways in which 2017 was terrible. Soccer 
specific. We probably won't get to all of them. Yeah, there there are many ways in which 2017 is terrible unrelated to soccer. Those are not going to come up. Uh, we're going to focus on DC United season and a, a very simple question with a, a very complicated and varied answer. Lots of simple aspects to that answer, but lots, lots of them that make it a little more complex. And we're going to have a fun segment after the break with uh, some friends of ours to help us preview the Eastern Conference final here in a couple weeks uh, with, with a new kind of, of twist that we haven't done before. And I, I'm personally excited to see how it goes. It could be a disaster, but if it is, I think it'll be a beautiful disaster. We'll find out before we do anything though. Jason, what are you drinking? Uh, I am currently pouring my drink. Uh, I have uh, jailbreak brewing. They're in Laurel, Maryland. Uh, they have a new check pills out called check the technique. Um, the bottle has the design, uh, artwork for making, uh, and brewing beer. Um, I actually went in looking for pretty much the opposite of a Czech style pills. I was looking for something like, uh, darker, uh, given that the weather is about to take a vicious turn towards winter. Oh, yes, um, it is. But I, as we're recording. Right. But I hadn't seen this jailbreak before, uh, and it was right in front of it. It was eye level, and it was well-placed, so I ended up walking out with this instead. And I had someone with dinner. It was good. Good job, liquor store clerk. Yeah, definitely. Nailed that one. I, uh, I'm i not going to sugarcoat this. I'm drinking wine from a can. If you had said ham, uh, mezcal, I would have, the show would have ended immediately. <laughs> I would have closed my computer and moved to a new town. <laughs> the, yeah. When you say the show, you don't mean this episode. You mean oh, filibuster. Yeah. yeah, I think it would just I would have assumed a new probably idea. probably all podcasts writ large would have had to have ended. That's too bad too. The city so, paper just launched a new podcast and no, it would, yeah, it would be well, very sorry. short. Well no, I mean the good it's good that Adam didn't do that because <laughs> he would have ended all of them. There would have been very dire consequences. I'm drinking Underwood. Uh, Oregon Pinot Noir um, from a can. It's it's better than you would think. Just like Pinot a regular Noir 12, a 12 ounce beer can? Yes. There's exactly that. actually wrong with cans. It's just no, that the they're much better now than the wine they used to be. is not to have cans. Right. I mean, when you first open it, there's, there's a little bit of weirdness that happens when you pour it out. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, once... Once it settles down a little bit, it's it's a perfectly passable Pinot Noir. I'm not going to go out of my way for it, but you know, if you're going camping or something, cans right. are a lot lighter than even boxes, or at least they're more flexible than than some so, of the boxes. So, since I'm asking this question and bringing forth this bit of trivia, can you guess where the uh, what city had the first availability of bottled beer, uh, canned beer in the United States? I. Uh, Let's go with uh, Aberdeen, Maryland, because you're asking the question. Somewhere in Maryland. Certainly not Richmond, Virginia. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Jason, do you have a guess? Uh, I was just going to go with St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Also a good guess. Uh, obviously, it was Richmond, Virginia. Uh, but it was actually Darn, a New the Jersey one company. place I didn't guess. I know. I know. <sighs> but it was actually a New Jersey company that uh, used Richmond as their test market in 1935 to test this newfangled canned beer. There was a town in southern Indiana in the 90s that was a test market for Coca-Cola's ill-fated um, attempt to redefine the can with their, you know, their bottles are curvy and everything. So they tried to do a curvy can, and mm-hmm. a town in southern Indiana was the test market. It, 
It did that, that sounds that sounds too Hollywood for Southern Indiana. I I think that's why they did it. That region of the country has seen a lot of various uh, test marketing for various. I think we have. I think. Yeah. For whatever reason. I've read this a few times where like random, you know, McDonald's decides to sell whatever. um, And I feel like that's like Southern Indiana and or Southern Illinois come up a lot. Yeah. And actually uh, Lafayette, Indiana, um, the the city next to Purdue, Purdue's in West Lafayette across the, the river. Lafayette had a, a McDonald's specifically had a like a kind of a test McDonald's a, a test restaurant mm. there. It wasn't a, horr- real- a horrifying uh, <laughs> magic zone. It it was weird. It was like leather booths and mahogany on the walls, but it was still McDonald's. <laughs> it was really bizarre when no, I went there in uh, college. No, I didn't no, understand no. it. No, I, it, made, it made me deeply uncomfortable. <laughs> I read a story that I don't know how it was presented as news, but I don't know how honest it was. Um, <laughs> that claimed that Pizza Hut in China sells like a full Italian menu and is like fairly upscale uh, and has a certain cachet that it hasn't really earned in the <laughs> same way that Buick apparently is seen as a high luxury vehicle in China. And it's huh. not because it's actually better. It's because they've somehow held on to some sort of cultural cachet uh, that, you know, for us, it's like Buick Pizza Hut. Come on, guys. Um, But apparently in certain parts of China, and this is, again, possibly just uh, some sort of lie that I read online and believed as true. um, But it's like a suitable place to take a first date to Pizza Hut, (laughs) um, which I think is spectacular. Just like a college freshman first date. No, no, these are, this is like once you've got your first solid job uh, and you're trying to really impress the other person, you might take them to Pizza Hut hmm. for a sit-down meal. <laughs> hey, Ben, what are you drinking? All right, I haven't even gone yet. Um, um, I'm drinking a bourbon and Coke because that dad life, I don't have time to go buy uh, actual beer. I'm brewing some homebrew upstairs uh, as we speak. I'm hoping to have that ready for Thanksgiving, but um, that's still brewing, and it's been a somewhat debacle so far, so who knows if it'll <laughs> actually be drinkable or have any alcohol content or anything by the time uh, Thanksgiving rolls around. Well, but it's an, I... English, it's an English nut brown ale, so... Uh, we're having 10 people over for Thanksgiving for the first time ever that we're hosting. And we needed to make something that might appeal to my dad who likes rolling rock and everybody else who likes other beers. <laughs> um, or just poison them all. I prefer not to. I mean, I'm going to drink some first because if I'm going to poison anyone with this, I'd prefer it to be myself. Uh, like a, that's a very old school scientist kind of, kind of take. Like yeah. I'm going to inject this stuff into me and see where it goes, see what happens to me. Maybe hope, it'll work. Hopefully, I don't turn into half fly, half man. Well, you know, if you do, yeah. No, I, mean, I can think of worse fates, but <laughs> really, <as long> you... <laughs> I mean, we we saw DC United in 2017. I'd rather watch that again than be turned into a half fly, half man. Look, Jeff Goldblum handled it with uh, class and panache. Why can't you do the same? I'm not as sexy as Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> Very few of us are. Uh, <laughs> that's, 
It's one of the best. One of the best. I wish we were just pulling quotes. Uh, that would be pretty much the gold standard, I think, from the show. I mean, that's got to be yeah. the episode title, right? <laughs> Don't tell me what to do. I'll tell Only you to Jeff talk can about do that. Fair. That's fair. Uh, let's 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 do this thing. We're gonna dive Adam, right. Adam tried an artful move into the segment, uh, and, and but now we have the this wonderfulness instead. and sexiness of Jeff Goldblum um, prevented it, and I accept that. I'm I'm I've very quickly come to grips with that. So now, let's do this. We're gonna dive right into the deep end of uh, this 2017 DC United postmortem with uh, the shortest question with the longest answer. What the hell went wrong? That's going to be this segment. Um, ben, kick us off. Something sure. that went wrong in 2017. There's so many to choose from. Yeah. Uh, I think I'm going to kick us off with uh, central midfield. We, the DC United decided to go into uh, 2017 with a central midfield of Marcelo Sarvas and Jared Jeffrey and Rob Vincent and question marks. Well, they did bring in Harkson. Yeah. But I mean, he was a question mark. Like, I mean, he was well, well regarded question mark, but you didn't yeah. expect him to start from day one. That's and true. He, even if he did start, we all knew that he was not a defensive midfielder. And neither is Marcelo, and neither is Jared Jeffrey. And Rob Vincent was a defensive midfielder for about 10 to 12 games last season, and he did okay, but uh, then he got injured and he remained injured. Um, and even more than just central midfield itself, just the lack of a, def- a dedicated defensive midfielder really ruined this team and had consequences that spilled forth from there. Um, and, and I think we saw uh, some flashes of what might have been once Russell Knauss came in. And if he had had a full preseason with the team, maybe things could have been slightly different or maybe even more than slightly different. But it yeah, just I think- never worked out. And Marcelo had flashes, especially down the stretch, but that was once Russell Knauss came in. And that's when Marcelo showed... Uh, flashes of what he had been able to do in the past, but the the fact that they slept on their central midfield, they didn't bring any real investment into this team. And we've often talked about how if you don't in MLS, if you don't continuously spend and continuously try to improve your team every year, you're going to fall behind. And just like from 2012 to 2013, they stayed largely uh, Pat, especially in central midfield, and it just fell flat on flat on its face once again. Yeah, I the the first thing on my list was um, not doing enough last winter, and you know I think we were more optimistic coming into this year, um, just based on what they brought in during the season last year and how hot the team was, and it, it seemed like they could keep playing that, and it, it proved to be a little bit of a house of cards. The the high flying end of 2016 but the during the offseason team did take care of their the top several items on their their to-do list they locked uh they they made lucho acosta a permanent member of the team um rather than worrying about his loan they they bought him outright um 
they made Steve Birnbaum uh, a long-term thing, and he was super vital in 2016. Uh, they uh, locked Patrick Mullins in as well, uh, and he obviously was a really important part of that run-in in 2016. But we said uh, at the beginning of the year, the biggest hole on the team was defensive midfield, and that was a spot they didn't address. And I think that was the that was the hole that made everything else fall apart in 2017. And I think you're absolutely right. We saw the difference that a dedicated D mid can make when Canals arrived, and not having that all year was one of uh, several things that. Yeah. That really and, oh, there are more highlighted and, the year or low lighted the year. One. Uh-huh. Um, because yes. you, you mentioned that that to-do list, and everything else on that to-do list was keep someone in place, keep someone that's yes. already here, which doesn't improve the team, it just prevents it from getting worse. Um, top of the how do we get better list by far was that position. And yeah. you know, maybe the team went after someone and it just didn't work, and they decided to keep it quiet rather than have it out in the open that they stumbled in a, a pursuit of somebody, or maybe they just felt like what they had was good enough. They thought um, Marcelo could go one more year, mm-hmm. even though they ran out of those blood transfusions from Davey Arno. But, you know, or Rob but, Vincent could have stayed healthy. Yeah. But, but Marcelo getting was, old was a big part of that. I mean, whatever it was, um, those are failures. Um, mm-hmm. that, Absolutely. If if they didn't if they felt like it didn't need to be addressed that was something we knew was wrong we we all came into the off season and I think it was one of the most easily agreed upon points in all of DC United fandom was that okay that's like job number one is um, add somebody at that position um, because remember this was back when they were playing the four one four one so it was actually even more important to the success of the formation then than it is now I would say. Um, but either way, either not getting not getting a signing done or not bothering to try, those are both big problems. And it, I mean, it sabotaged uh, the season in its own way. It's not the only reason, certainly. Um, but we also know from past history that Ben Olsen teams tend to either get going in the early couple months of the season and get on a run, uh, or when they don't, they never turn around. They never become good later. Um, like 2016, that team at least had a decent start where they had a platform where they weren't so far behind. Um, they then, you know, took it into, you know, they, they ate the, uh, power mushroom from Super Mario brothers, uh, for the back half of, uh, that season. But, uh, this year they never got going. And while you guys were talking, I actually decided to, uh, double check this because I wasn't sure if it was true or not the back half of the season was actually worse than the front half. Uh, wow. DC's record at 17 games was five wins, three draws, nine losses, and the back 17 were, was four wins, two draws, 11 losses. Um, now, the halfway point is right at, at the beginning of the six-game losing streak in June and July that effectively uh, yeah, ended the year. Um, right. Still... Uh, and it's also it's hard to keep going uh, when the season is obviously gone that badly. It's hard to pick it up and all of a sudden get get on the uh, on the right course again. It's why we don't see teams do it very often. Is that uh, mentally taking a beating for months and months and having that be your reality every day? It's hard to then suddenly be your best. Um, yeah, there's only occasionally the, the that Montreal team that turned it right. on that turned on the jetpacks. And they and even then they had the benefit of 
making signings that all worked out extremely well straight away. Was um, that the first DC, season? Uh, I believe so, yes. Yeah. Um, I could be wrong. Yeah, every that, year before that, Montreal came out of the gates super hot and then right. fell apart in the second half because their average age was 45. Yeah, basically. They were, actually, I think they were just doing a New England Revolution tribute season. Yeah. Um, <laughs> trying to reenact various Revolution seasons past. Um, which is a strange thing to want to do. You shouldn't want to do that. That's a bad plan. The Montreal um, Impact have a lot of strange things. They do. In them. some ways, it's very charming. Yes. Um, in other ways, puzzling. <laughs> Maybe they're so, just giant Jay Heaps fans. Oof, I hope not. Yeah, for their sake. I hope so, because it makes another team bad in the East. <laughs> <laughs> so, coming into the season, during the offseason, during the run-up to preseason, there was a rumor uh, that, that Matt Doyle was the one championing, I think, most loudly that Sean Franklin was going to be moving from fullback into center back for DC United to start 2017. And we all poo-pooed that rumor. Yeah. And we all were wrong. Matt no, Doyle, we were, well, we were no. right that it was a bad idea. Yes. But Matt Doyle had it right that it was the plan. And it was a bad plan. Sean Franklin is... He he played emergency center back his rookie year, um, and and did okay. When he was then. much more athletic, right? But but the idea was to have Steve Birnbaum take over organizing duties with Bill Hamid helping him, uh, and then Sean Franklin would would provide some of the passing passing uh, noose out of the back. And I I understand the thought process, and yeah. even then it shouldn't have happened. It was clear that it that Franklin wasn't going well, to and and even the idea of Ben Franklin and and or Ben, ben Olson and Sean Franklin yeah Ben Olson and Sean Franklin said the idea was to to help extend Sean Franklin's career and mm-hmm. ironically it had exactly the opposite effect yeah and and I understand it as a drawing board idea um to to say okay this if we want this team to be on the ball more often playing a more aesthetically pleasing style uh playing a more attack minded style, all of that has to come from, or one of the things that had to change was the tendency for Boswell and Kemp to play long very early. Um, so it was an, it was a laudable idea, but we saw signs from the first preseason game that it wasn't really working. Um, and, you know, that's kind of the difficult thing that comes into coaching is when do you pull the plug on an idea that isn't going well? Do you give it, the full preseason because then you've lost a whole preseason building what, what else you could do. Um, and in this case, the idea didn't work and it never really got better. And the four, nothing loss to NYCFC really kind of confirmed that this was not a viable way to do it. They did. They, that pairing did manage to get a shutout on opening day against Kansas city. Um, when they had Dom Dwyer. Um, but, that game turned out to not really indicate what DC United was going to be like in, uh, in, uh, 2017 Franklin and Burnbaum stayed together. I'm looking right now at the next game, which was a two, nothing loss to Columbus. Um, so they, they, they were given more time than I remembered. I thought after the four, nothing, they just were like, all right, that's enough. Um, but yeah, it, it was one of those ideas that it, it wasn't working. Yeah. It was the game four was when Boswell was restored to the lineup. Um, for Franklin. Um, but yeah, it's one of the things that contributed to not getting off the ground. And it also meant that whatever understanding 
they had built up in 2016 was now going to have to be rebuilt on the fly during the season, um, which usually doesn't work. And it did not, it certainly did not work this time. Um, if anything, that magic got further away as the weeks went on. Um, yeah, it was, it was a, an interesting idea given that Ben Olsen is supposed to be uh, the least uh, interested in uh, possession soccer in the entire league and is just trying to play long balls forever. Uh, I don't, I don't know when people decided that he looked like Carl Robinson. Um, they don't look alike. Uh, you can tell one of them has a beard usually. Uh, the other one doesn't. Um, the other one will tell you his team played a good game when they didn't take a single shot on goal. Um, but, uh, yes, it just didn't It didn't pan out, and then that lost time to build on it was gone. Um, and thus, the team just never got rolling as a result. And having that tremendous weakness at center back meant that pretty much if anyone else made a mistake anywhere on the field there, there was a goal being about to be given up. Um, and that really just like not addressing defensive midfield, it, it prevented this team from getting on any kind of uh, getting any momentum in the early part of the season. And that's how you end up in last in MLS. And I don't know if it was equipped by Ben Olsen, but just saying that, he wanted to move Sean Franklin into central defense to extend his career. That That's just indicative of a wrong mindset. You don't move somebody to extend their career. You do things to make your team better. It doesn't matter if Sean Franklin may be able to play more in a certain position. It's what's best for the team. And we could tell in the preseason that Sean Franklin as a central defender wasn't going to be a better move for the team than mm-hmm. signing somebody new or trying out someone who's an actual central defender at that position, but it happened anyway. Steve Birnbaum's season at center back didn't go a whole lot better than Sean Franklin's. Um, He certainly got more time there than, than Franklin did. But I think in the end, not really by all that many games, certainly not as many as you would think. Um, Some of that was the fact that he, uh, regressed. I guess he was still on the field even as he he regressed this year, for for whatever reason that was. Some people will say it's because of the injuries. Um, my pet theory is it was because he had to take on more of the organizing burden, which meant yeah. he had to think about the game consciously and wasn't just playing, and that makes you worse at playing. Um, and it's, well, it can it can it, it can it doesn't always yeah. um, it can and in. People who study teaching and 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 that kind of thing will will say it happens in other contexts too. Like mm-hmm. when you learn a new style of writing, you forget you you can forget how to write the way you know how when you try to do it again. So that's the context I knew that that idea from, and I, I think we did see some of that in Birnbaum this year. Um, obviously, the concussions uh, were a, a pretty bad part of the year for him too, he missed the last however many games uh, with a concussion. He, you know, it was, it was a bad year in many ways for Steve Birnbaum. Right. And in some ways, actually he was the, like a synecdoche. Uh, that's a tough word to say. Synecdoche of, Synec- of DC United season. He was the, the embodiment of the, right. uh, of the team writ a little smaller. Um, and yeah. you know, that's how it goes. Yeah, I mean the the other thing that comes to mind. I mean we 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 could spend a couple episodes on this whole thing because there were so many and different maybe we will. angles. 
Um, but the, the thing that strikes me about this team is that they didn't have a very good collective mentality. This team was fragile all year long. Um, they'd give up a goal, a bad, a good, whether it was a good goal or a bad goal, they'd concede first and crumble, or they'd play well and then not give themselves, they'd get a goal, but not get up to nothing. And then they'd make the mistake and they'd end up not getting a win out of the game. Um, they couldn't win at home uh, for most of the year. I mean, their home record ended up being six wins, three draws, eight losses. Uh, that's pretty bad. Uh, that's the kind of home record that means you're definitely not going to the playoffs. Um, you know, it, it just, the, all the signs of a mentally sturdy team that could see their way uh, into the playoffs, just, it just wasn't there. Um, you know, there's a six game losing streak to account for. There's, the end of the season, they finished one, one and five, you know, five losses uh, in the last seven. Um, they didn't score any goals in their first three games. Uh, just all throughout the season, it never really abated. There was that one week where they won three straight one, nothing games. Uh, and that was the only stretch of time where this team looked like they were collectively made of some certain, some less than, or some more than flimsy stuff. Um, and that was right after the transfer window. That was when they had the one sort of artificial, hard to replicate boost in morale for the group. Um, and once that wore off, uh, things went back to normal. Um, there was a break, uh, between, you know, that, that new England game, the end of that winning streak, there was the, uh, a bye week for the international window. And the next game was that the end, basically the effective last nail of the coffin with the loss to Orlando at home. Um, and that was it. Uh, and the, that was, that Orlando game was another example where they played pretty well and then they gave up a very dumb goal and then they immediately gave up a second, very dumb goal. And then they never really recovered. The game might as well have ended, um, the moment that second one went in. Um, and that's just kind of the, the story of this team this year is that they never got that collective belief in themselves and as in, in themselves as individuals and in themselves as a group. And there's, you know, there's a lot of rebuilding to do in that department. I mean, hitting the reset button for this season is kind of a gift because if, if this season went another 10 games, I don't think we'd see more than two wins out of those 10 um, because of this mentality problem. It just, uh, you know, it showed itself at both ends of the field, you know, the bad defending, the defensive lapses, um, and also the poor finishing, which we're probably not going to have enough time to get into, but obviously poor finishing when you score 31 goals in a season, uh, poor finishing is a problem. Uh, and for this team, I mean, Patrick Mullins needed almost the entire year to get himself on a, a goal. Um, Deshaun Brown couldn't really get going. Oftentimes there were no other forwards. Uh, I think we um, are going to have to save the attack for, right. for next week. Um, and and yeah, even so many the, things that are just, not good. Yeah, so we'll have another week of of downer uh, <laughs> next week. This this uh, season deserves it. It does. It does. Yep. And and you know you should you should look at what's bad so that you can improve. And so I I don't know how our looking at it will help the team improve unless someone at the team is listening to this podcast still at this point. And, hi friends. Yeah. Hi Ben. Thanks for listening. Um, we are going to move on to our second segment. We only have a few minutes before we have to bring our guests on. So we're going to really quickly do cake or death. Adam, Adam what, what kind of round would this be? Ooh, are we doing a lightning round? Lightning round. 
All right, let's do it. Lightning round, cake or death. First up, Steve Birnbaum, team captain this year, center back, regressed. We talked about him earlier. Ben, lightning round, cake or death. Uh, Goat, they have to bring somebody to support him and be the organizer, but cake. Wow, you said cake. I'm happy. Jason. Uh, Goat, please uh, figure figure out what went wrong this year and, and don't repeat it. Sign Gary yeah. Middell. <laughs> Uh, I, I I say cake as well. Bring him back next year. Um, if, if he has to wear a rugby helmet all year, I'm I'm good with that. I think that's ultimately where all Everyone soccer should. players will end up. Yeah, um, and and that's okay with me. Deshaun Brown is next in our lightning round. Jason, uh, bring him back next year or no? Cake or death? Uh, Fox with the caveat that we never got to see him play in his best position, which is going to irritate me to no end. But nonetheless, Fox. Fox's death, I will translate. Ben, cake or death for Deshaun Brown? listeners know what Fox means. <laughs> yeah, if they listen to this Some podcast, they, no, if they listen to this podcast, they know what Fox means. Uh, extreme Fox, I don't care. Uh, he uses it in international spot, I think. Um, they have to do better. Like, if anything else, going to next year, they have to do better at forward. Many Foxes, about 15 Foxes. Uh, I... The international slot is might be dispositive. I think if he were a domestic player willing to come back on um, something close to the the senior league minimum, he would definitely be worth a roster spot. But no. as it is, no. Death. Sorry to Shorn. Next up, Julian Buescher, uh, Generation Adidas midfielder, spent a lot of the season on loan with the Rochester Rhinos. Um, promising kid during his rookie year scored dc united's first goal during the champions league down in Carretero. um this year though completely unable to break into the lineup um in in a central midfield that that honestly could have been better for a lot of the year and he couldn't break through ben cake or death for the young german remember this is a lightning round (laughs) fox all right jason uh, I'm going to say I think Buescher is a very good player, but this is not the right place for him. He probably needs a chain of scenery. Uh, I would say Fox, and I feel like DC should be able to get a decent trade value for him, and they should be looking to do that. Yeah, I, I could could see him being traded. I'm going to say cake. I'm going to say okay. bring him back for next year. He's on a generation Adidas contract, which means he doesn't count against the salary cap. I think the odds that he graduates after this um, really bad sophomore season for him are are pretty slim. So I think he will continue not taking up uh, any any cap space. And I, I think as the team transitions, he could be a useful piece off the bench, whether yeah. that's in Acosta's spot or Ian Harks's spot or whoever's in in that midfield. Other than the the six, I think he could be pretty useful. Can I ask you a lightning round lightning question? Lightning round lightning question. Go. Uh, what do you say to the fact that Acosta's backup is probably Zoltan Schieber now in the I, E10? I think that's Go. right. And, and <laughs> I say cake for Schieber. Uh, <laughs> I, I think that the, the, there will be other competitions. There'll be open cup games where neither of them will probably be in the starting lineup. And, uh, even then I think Buescher's best spot is in attacking number eight. I think he's better th- a little bit further from goal. And so even if he's a change of pace, kind of uh, attacking 
ish midfielder. Uh, I think that there could be a spot for him, especially if he costs literally nothing to be there. So that's, that's where I put him and that's it for, for this segment. We will be right back with uh, a couple friends of ours to preview the Eastern conference final, which is still two weeks away, but we're going to do it anyway. Stick around. It's filibuster. Hey Ben, um, you wouldn't say this is a hostile work environment, would you? You can tell uh, me. Depends. I mean, well, I should ask you. I mean, is our goats hostile? Uh, I think goats are are hostile. I think that they are secretly trying to take over the world. But but if this were a hostile work environment, or if I were trying to steal your wages, or or do something else oh, nefarious in a, I'm really not. Uh, but in a workplace environment, you know who to call, right? Because you live in the District of Columbia or Northern Virginia. I do. It's the Ehrlich Law Office. It is the Ehrlich Law Office. Uh, they they offer discrimination, wage, and litigation solutions in Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia, which means I can totally create a hostile work environment for Jason. Except, no, he, they, they wouldn't want me to say that. That would be bad. I do not want to create a hostile work environment for anyone. But Jason couldn't call them nonetheless because he lives in Maryland. Sorry, Jason. I'll fight my way through this. All right. <laughs> Uh, they handle workplace discrimination, wage theft, uh, non-compete clauses, and uh, non-solicitation litigation. They handle civil rights and government takings and disability and education law. They handle a lot of things. And if you are interested in a free consultation, head to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. Welcome back to Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. We're trying something new tonight with the timing of the November FIFA window forcing a uh, playoff bye actually between rounds instead of in the middle of the, the conference final. We are taking the opportunity to preview uh, the, the two conference finals. This week, it's the Eastern Conference final, which will be a Trillium Cup affair this year with the top-seeded Toronto FC taking on fifth seated Columbus uh, million hashtags you could use. Then one we're going to start with is hashtag save the crew. We've been talking about that recently. They they're going to buy for the chance to host MLS cup. The winner will host MLS cup against the Western conference champion, because that's how the regular season played out this year. We figured we'd get some friends of ours on the show to um, vie for our affection, compete for our love, that's what we want to do here on filibuster really you know competitive i that, that i'm just going to stop there and introduce our guests <laughs> thank you ben thank you for continuing where i lost my nerve kristen knowles is here from the vocal minority podcast to uh pitch us on toronto fc and why we should be supporting them in this eastern conference final josh Mlot is here to sell us on Columbus Crew SC and their bandwagon. Guys, welcome to the show. Thank Thanks you. Thanks for having me, guys. Kristen, you are a, a return guest, so I'll, I'll start with you. What are you drinking? I am drinking a collective arts porter called Stranger Than Fiction. How is it? Delicious. It's one of my favorite beers. Coffee porter, milk porter. Uh... Coffee porter. Delicious, uh-huh. wonderful, dark, yummy stuff. Nice. Josh, what are you drinking? I've got myself a Big Muddy Brewing S'more Stout. Yum. Wow, you guys are bringing it. I yeah. like it. <laughs> we should just end the segment now. I don't know if it's going to get better. 
All right, Josh, I gave <laughs> Well, no, I, I mean from our perspective. Oh, well, yeah, we, that was just a really three, strong start and the three Jason, of us could always make it worse. Yeah, that's kind of what we do. <laughs> that's very I, true. That that was a dig on us, not on our guests. Okay. Uh Josh, give us the number one reason DC fans should be supporting the crew from here on out in 2017. Number one reason. Well, the number one reason was actually the one I was going to save till the end. But obviously the number one reason is hashtag save the crew. Because See, this that's is a not club fair. That they have like needs, this whole save yeah. their fucking team thing going on. What do I have to compete with? <laughs> that's your lot in life right now, Kristen. <sighs> Fine. Kristen, same same question. You don't have a team whose very existence is in question uh, <laughs> one year out. So why should we be uh, why should we be behind your Reds? Well, from a podcast love and support basis, <laughs> we have a long-standing relationship with you guys. Plus, our ongoing love and support of Bill Hamid, I think speaks volumes as to why you should throw your loyalty our way because we have always supported you guys. That's true. That's true. We got a lot of love for the vocal minority. We go way back. Just saying. Ben? So, Josh, I'm also from Ohio, but I'm from a much superior part of Ohio called Cincinnati. So (laughs) why should a Cincinnatian who has now moved to Virginia care about some farmland called Columbus in the middle of the, in the middle of the state. Well, you're, you're talking to an adopted Cincinnatian. So I'm, I'm your man to answer that. <laughs> All right. Uh, any number of reasons. Um, number are one, any of them, are, any, are any of them chili related? Uh, no, unfortunately <laughs> not. But uh, that's actually good because Cincinnati chili is garbage. <laughs> Shut up, that Indiana, and you are not awesome. welcome in this part of the conversation. <laughs> Indiana is not welcome. Uh, I can't wait till we get to the coastal elite part of this. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about good, wholesome, center, non-coastal people here. I, I include Toronto in that. Toronto. I was going to say, wait a second. How you're, am I not wholesome suddenly? No, you're, you're part of that. We're all against Jason here. Oh, excellent. Hi, Jason. Hello. Good to see you. I'm the coastal elite. <laughs> and yet I'm the one that's not welcome. Josh, back to you. <laughs> yeah, so uh, the crew, uh, I mean, number one reason that any neutral should should want to root for them is because they play attractive soccer. And uh, as a neutral, you don't need to have a heart attack every time uh, Jonathan Mensa falls on his ass. So uh, <laughs> as a neutral, you don't care if Columbus plays defense. So you have nothing to worry about. <laughs> All you worry about is attractive soccer. Bombing Josh up Will- the field. Josh Williams doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's a, the biggest thing. I mean, if, if you want to see a team that's going to go out there and play – uh, you've got it. Greg Burhalter doesn't know how to do anything else. So, uh, from a neutral standpoint, there's there's no excuse from a playing style uh, n- wise not to be entertained when you watch Columbus. You're not entertained watching Toronto FC. 
come on. That's Did you watch that? Well, I, mean, I, I, I was, yeah, I, I, guess I was I'll there. Out. Torturously, I was there. <laughs> I, guess I'll, I guess I'll throw out the obvious question. Why should we care about Toronto without Josie and uh, Giovinco? Oh, actually, you know what? That makes it even more so because all everyone does is complain that Toronto is nothing without these two players. And more than once this season, they've proven that they can overcome or that they are more than just two DPs um, who score some goals on occasion and take some stupid fouls. Um, No, it'll be – are you kidding? The first leg is going to be so much fun because we're going to have two Canadians – uh, who don't get enough playing time because they're on an incredibly deep team who get to start and uh, who get to uh, hopefully show a lot of good form as they have against Columbus in the past. To say Ricketts might come to mind, Josh. I'm not sure if that's a familiar <laughs> name, you guys. Um, but <laughs> No, you know what? TFC, other than when playing the Red Bulls, who – we hate playing for a variety of reasons. We hate them um, too. That's good. Everyone should. Um, they're really hateable. It's, it's actually quite stunning. Also, I mean, can, can we take an aside just to mention specifically how much everyone should just hate Felipe? From his I time in Montreal to his time to New York. We hadn't we, mentioned him yet today, so I, I think that's can, fair. I'd be willing to like form like a separate club or, um, you know, not even a support group, like, like a celebratory group of hating Felipe. Um, I think I used the phrase Felipe is an asshole at least five times on our show last week. So, um, what a little, uh, anyway, um, you know what, like TFC is generally when all things are clicking and when Victor Vasquez has room to operate, super fun to watch. Uh, and they play a really fun style when again, I think the removal of Seba and Josie actually might make them more fun to watch. And I say that as a fan of both players, but also really a fan of the supporting cast on this team. So, uh, Josh, I, I guess my question, I'm going to go for the nerd side of this. Um, not that yeah. the, the previous portions of the, this show have been pretty nerdy. Um, I mean, we talked about how sexy Jeff Goldblum was in the first segment. Oh, Jeff Goldblum, so sexy. Hello, the voice. <laughs> well, ben, the whole the whole segment was just about Ben lamenting that he wasn't Jeff Goldblum, so that's why he can't turn into a fly or a half fly, half man. Uh, so, uh, but I'm gonna. I guess I'm gonna take it like another step beyond that uh, for the, for soccer nerds. Um, Josh, uh, Greg Berhalter has shown uh, a knack for figuring out. Uh, what he needs to do. Obviously, he went up against uh, Tata Martino and came up with a plan that wasn't quite as good as a Ben Olsen plan against Tata Martino. Or because <laughs> Three no. Walked to victory. Um, but still Never a forget. pretty solid plan that uh, got them through that game um, and then dealt with NYCFC and their, let's just throw the kitchen sink at everybody for 90 minutes, regardless of what, what else is going on. Um, saw himself through both of those games. Obviously, came up with the right first leg uh, strategy to make sure that the second leg didn't turn into, I mean, it was worrying, but it wasn't a disaster. Um, what is it? What is Greg Berhalter's plan? Is it going to be um, basically, I guess I, what I'm asking is um, whose plan is going to appeal uh, more to the, the soccer nerds uh, in this world? 
Well, Greg Berhalter's plan always appeals to the soccer nerds because part of his plan in the playoffs has been uh, to, you know, pray over his voodoo dolls for the goalposts, <laughs> basically, is uh, it has been bullet point number one on the uh, tactical breakdown entering the playoffs. Uh, but otherwise, uh, I believe that he's going to come out here uh, and, and go for it. Um, I think we we saw that. I mean, you saw what they did in the first leg at uh, New York City or at home against New York City. Uh, I would expect it's going to be something along the uh, the same vein as what we saw there. I think he's going to try to get put his team in a good position coming out of the home leg to go to Toronto and uh, just try to uh, scrape uh, scrape out a result there that can push them through as much as this team is capable of scraping out a result, I guess. <laughs> I guess that probably in their case just means trying to score a goal. Um, yes. Uh, grab that, grab that away goal or two, if you can. Um, yeah, I think, I think that's, okay. that's what it comes down to. Um, Kristen, I, I guess, you know, uh, Greg Vanny didn't have to go through quite as many uh, rounds to get to this point, but he did have to get past uh, the Red Bulls and their bizarre three 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 one, and then their switch to a diamond. Uh, he had to overcome the fact that both teams had one of the strangest half times in MLS history, um, losing players, uh, losing important yeah. players to uh, unseen uh, red cards um, in a red has- tunnel. He, yeah, that the the tunnel that looks like the inside of a fancy club, um, that I guess is only for the uh, Canada's one percenters are allowed in that part that portion of the stadium. I don't know who actually gets to go over there. I'm just uh, stabbing in the dark there, or stabbing in the red haze. In the red, <laughs> yep. um, but I, I feel like whereas Berhalter comes into this game with uh, a more straightforward issue. His, his team is all in place. He knows what he's going to line up pretty much. Maybe Arthur or Muhammad Abu is the only question mark. Uh, Vanny is looking at this and he's lost Giovinco. He's lost Altador. Um, what is he going to do to deal with that? Uh, I mean, Ricketts will come in, but what else, what else is he going to do? How is it going to impress me as a, uh, um, haughty observer from the coast? Ooh, a haughty observer. Excellent. Of course. Well, with one thing, and of course we had they had uh, seven Josie in the away leg in New York, but people are discounting the fact that yes, the, the game on on Sunday, the like game yesterday, was horrible. It was absolutely horrible. It was one of the worst games ever. Very difficult to watch it, on it looked a like variety a of conference levels. Playoff game. Yes, it did. <laughs> and that is not a selling point. Um, but you have to look at the away leg in Harrison and how TFC managed that game. Um, and you have to look at TFC's road game this entire season, one of the best road teams in the league, regardless of who their lineup was. And that is something I think people are kind of forgetting. So, um, yes, they'll be without Josie Altidore and Sebastian Jovinko. So St. Ricketts is going to start up top. Um, I think something that people have sort of ignored about this team of late is the st- really solid play of uh, – not just Marky Delgado, who has been phenomenal this year, and it's lovely to see him return back to form, but the excellent play of Jonathan Osorio, and he's the other Canadian I mentioned. He has actually been um, a difference maker these last couple months, and in fact, the last two games when he's been subbed on, 
has had immediate impacts on how the team is played. Last night, he actually was a calming influence on what was happening on the pitch and was actually instrumental in stopping some squabbles towards the end of the game, but also injecting um, a bit of attacking flair and energy. Did the same thing on the road in Harrison when he came on, uh, when Victor Vasquez finally agreed to be subbed off. Uh, he was a difference maker again, and he has really, really had a strong few couple of months. And I think people are sort of forgetting that he has the ability to, um, to do sort of do everything. He can score goals, he can defend, and he can set up uh, his, his, you know, teammates. So having toss up front alone, which I think is probably what you'll see, um, with Vasquez flanked by Marky Delgado and Jonathan Osorio and then Michael Bradley dropping deep um, with the defense behind him. I think it's going to be a really uh, sort of more free-flowing. They won't have someone like Josie bulldozing his way in around and Seba dancing his way around people. You'll have Vasquez and Marky Delgado picking up players and probably Toss and Oso making runs for the net. It'll be, I think, a lot of fun to watch, actually. So outside of the the tactical nerd setup, uh, one of the things people like to gravitate gravitate to is personalities on the field. Um, so I I, I want to do a little death match. Each of you pick the one personality that will be on the field for at least the first leg, but presumably both legs of this, and and why they are the personality that that we should care about that that will define the game that's worth worth looking at Kristen, you go first oh my god that's evil um (laughs) i'm gonna go with victor vasquez one because i love victor vasquez i am so happy he plays for this team did he play for barcelona did he are you sure no one's mentioned that to me before that's honestly this is new information to me. <laughs> this is this is why have I not been told this before? Well, that just changes everything. Does he know Messi? <laughs> Who knows? Anyway, <laughs> no. Um, you know what? That, just watching Vasquez play, um, seeing the the enjoyment he gets out of um, out of the game, but also uh, his ability to play in the Matrix, which is which I always call. He's so excited um, when things go well, and he never stops through any game. I've never, you know, he is one of those players that is consistently running, looking, trying. Even through bad games, he doesn't stop, and he has bad games. That's every, you know, I would never say he's uh, infallible, but I just think he is so much fun to watch and just such a different type of player than most MLS teams have. Um, even for creative midfielders or attacking players, he's just, he's that, he's a difference maker in a lot of different ways. And um, the joy he gets when he scores or when one of his teammates scores is, uh, it always makes me smile. So he's the one. Josh, who's who's the man for the crew? Oh, if we're talking personality here. I'm, I'm thinking, uh, it's, it's gotta be Justin Merrim. 
he's a he's a guy that's just uh, a competitor out there, and you know there there have been times that he's uh, kind of carried this team on his back a little bit, and he's the kind of player that you can kind of see him uh, emotionally kind of get invested in, and turn things up a notch when he needs to. And uh, I think the, this two week break comes at a really good time here. I'm most of the time I'd say let's get this let's get this played, but uh, two weeks he's nursing some kind of injury right now, and I don't think he's looked quite himself so far in the playoffs. So I think uh, kind of taking the temperature of Merrim in that first leg is going to be huge to for this team uh, to see where he's at, kind of mentally uh, and physically, and and how much of a, a load he can carry because he's the kind of guy that, uh, you know, so much of the play goes through Federico Higuain, uh, as far as creativity goes, but, but Justin's the kind of guy that plays two ways, uh, you know, really sets an example on, on both ends and is the kind of guy that'll put his head down and, and run out of player and try to try to get that, uh, big meat hook, right, right foot onto a, onto a ball and, and curl that into the side netting. So, for me, uh, just as far as kind of the the personality driving things, I, w- I would say Miram. Ben, I guess my 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 next question is about something that has nothing to do at all with soccer on the field. What mascot game can each of your teams bring to? <laughs> To sway me, I, I'm I'm very impressionable about mascots. So, to be uh, clear, we have a weekly conversation about my daughter's love for Talon, DC United's mascot. This is yes. an actual important question. I am yes. seconding Ben on this yes. one. I have his back. I am here for this question. Adam's daughter calls RFK Stadium Talon's house. This is true. This is how much it means to us. So, Josh, choose your words carefully. <laughs> what is Columbus Crews, the Columbus Crews. I refuse to use Anthony Precourt's Crew SC. <laughs> what is the Columbus Crews mascot situation? Have you resurrected Crew Cat? Yes, Crew Cat. Uh, it's Crew Cat, man. Crew Cat lives. We're talking about. <laughs> we're talking about an original. And I mean, who doesn't who doesn't like animals? Like the same people that would root against a team with hashtag Save the Crew. Are, are the kind of people that would root against a household pet. That's how I feel about it. I mean, it's crew cat. We're talking about a cat. Nine lives, lands on all fours, no matter how, how high you drop him from. And he, he's been here since the beginning, is an he, OG. Is he a specific kind of cat or just a generic cat of he's, all yeah, cats? He's, he's a black cat. Oh, I thought the answer was going to be, he's crew cat, Ben. Um, <laughs> Haven't you been but listening? As a, as a supplemental question, uh, what does Crew Cat have to do with the Columbus Crew? What what is his? <laughs> a, why is he the mascot of this team? I, the same way that that a raccoon is the mascot of DC United. I no, guess. no, 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 no. The raccoon's a secondary <laughs> thing. That is There's... a team turning into the slide. <laughs> <laughs> is it just? I have it's no idea. C? If it's alliterative, yeah. I can live with it. I mean, like a cat crew chameleon. I mean, I a cat's a little bit more intimidating. So. Right, you mentioned crew chameleon. 
I'm now kind of mad that that's not the mascot. It <laughs> would be an extraordinarily expensive mascot costume, though. And I'm just saying, you you want it to you want it to be a real chameleon. You don't want to you don't want to come out there with it. Well, it's a chameleon. It just Wait, doesn't change colors. Are you saying it's a? It, are you do you want a color changing? Yes, chameleon suit, or do you want a small lizard like in a cage no, no, no. as the mascot? No, this is a mascot. No, no, a mascot is has got to be at least as tall as a child. You mean oh. an anthropomorphic chameleon? I want, chameleon. I want a crew, a Columbus-based college kid, most likely putting on an outfit <laughs> every week, putting on a big chameleon head, but that with active camouflage has to be able to. Well, I mean, you know, they don't change perfectly if you've seen chameleons. Um, but you know, good. It has to be close enough. Like it Adam, I don't know if you've seen Adam. I don't know if you've seen chameleons. <laughs> you know, it turns greenish when it's standing in the grass, and when it gets up in the stands, maybe in the Nordeca, it it, it has more of a, a a black hue, and then further out, it, it maybe is more yellow uh, and other colors that appear uh, at the stadium. That's what I want. So, so, so Kristen, can, now can you explain what the heck a hawk has to do with Toronto? Are there other mascots you we know, don't know about? No, we Toronto doesn't have that hawk, which is with <laughs> us no more. Um, She's dead. Bill Manning. Uh, well, there's been like four of them, but uh, yes, Bill Bill Manning, uh, which he admitted on our show earlier this year, didn't kill Bitchy the Hawk, but uh, did away with her services uh, quite some time ago. Did, we haven't had the audible. That's that's not a good that's not a good mark in your favor. That's okay because I you know what in this one case and if you guys listen to our show and you follow us on Twitter you should know this. Um, we are proud Crew Cat supporters. That's we true. Love Crew Cat definitely. We have that's paid homage true. to Crew Cat time and again. I, I will cede this to the crew because it's fucking Crew Cat and uh, bring back Crew Cat. <laughs> I get it. I'm going to add that I don't I don't want the crew chameleon to replace crew cat. I, <laughs> yeah, I, want I don't know. I don't believe you. Know. situation. Uh, <laughs> maybe more. Why not add three or four? Uh, now that we're just throwing mascots out. What there. about a goat? What about a goat? Crew goat, obviously. Uh, <laughs> or, Toronto, or Toronto goat. And besides, yeah. the raccoon should really be for Toronto. That's our that's our city's. Uh, you know, that's our animal. Is it? I didn't know that. It's the unofficial official animal of the city of Toronto because there are so many goddamn raccoons in this city. <laughs> they are fucking everywhere. That's a mark <laughs> in your favor for DC United fans. That is honestly, true. Because that, that is, like, that is, we, we feel had, that feel. We had a raccoon. Well, there are raccoon accounts. We had a, there was a raccoon that, that died. Oh, the one that was dead. Yes. Yes. It, it, we had, it had a Twitter account. It had thousands of followers. Oh, it was fantastic. So. You just have the winter raccoons. We have the sweaty swamp raccoons. That sounds awful. <laughs> ben, ben uh, what? Why? <laughs> what? We have sweaty swamp raccoons. That's what we have here. Anyone that's been to a game in the summer at, at RFK knows that you're probably going to be drenched in sweat at the end. It's uh, true. It's 99% humidity all the time. Um, I guess... Uh, if if we're if we've gone off the field now, um, I guess my question uh, on this one is going to have to be what what's going on uh, at the tailgate that would entertain me? How am I going to be entertained if I show up for these games outside of the soccer? Is that for me? I 
I guess so. I probably should have clarified that. <laughs> Sorry, I, I literally lost connection with you for a minute there. So oh. I directed to me. What was the question? Uh, what what is it? Uh, if I come to this game as a fan, what's what's going to entertain me outside the stadium, off the field, or in the stands? Um, what what is it beside the soccer? Besides the soccer and the mascots that uh, should should draw my favor? I'll I'll jump in. Okay. Uh, well, number one, you got you got your beer, so that's the number one necessity. Mm-hmm. Number two, I mean, you never know when you're going to bump into the aforementioned crew cat. <laughs> <laughs> number three i mean you get all that time to mingle with with your with you know all the columbus fans while everybody waits in line to get inside because they don't <laughs> want the people on tv to know that there are fans right so get, <laughs> Heaven forbid. You, just, you just get the extra quality time with your fellow soccer fans outside the stadium and what more could you ask for this is what you're there for the the family the community Okay, I, I like that. I, I like that uh, coming together at the end. We just dealt with that at the end of the season. It was a very uh, family and community uh, finish for DC United because we didn't have any good soccer to focus on, so we had to think <laughs> of something else. Hey, we had the Legends game. We did. That was actually pretty spectacular. Um, if, if I'm not even for, joking. Like I, I framed for it as throwing, a joke. But. Throwing a shot into the upper 90 from 30 yards with his hands. Um if only if only Louis Creighton had been if only Louis Creighton had been that good when he was a player <laughs> as he was in the Legends game, dude. He had D Rose number so hard in that Legends game. It was I was right, like I sad know. for De Rosario because he wanted a goal badly and should have had one. Creighton also should have been allowed to take that penalty kick that he came upfield to ask to take. Yes, um, especially since Moreno botched but, it. <laughs> that was a. I, I, I feel like that wasn't Moreno's fault. He passed for somebody else and nobody took, nobody read it and ran up to shoot. It was, <laughs> it was very generous of him and no one understood how to, how to accept a, a favor. It would have been funny if Creighton had stayed up to do that. <laughs> there, see that, that would have been gold. Anyway, um, Christian, <laughs> same question. What it, what is uh, at going to a TFC game? What is it that's going to make me, uh, feel at home? Well, you get to, you get to be with fans that have through their collective history as TFC supporters. Um, you know, for the most part, we've been pretty hard done by. We've suffered. Yes. Oh, how we suffered. So much suffering. <laughs> even, even through the good times, we're still suffering. Like if you were next to any of us on a freezing cold night last December, um, dear gods, that was suffering on so many levels to lose a game that way. Um, so you have talk about community. Like we are bonded together by despair and so much like collective post-traumatic uh, stress disorders. So, yeah, like we're, we're so like, we're so snake bitten, but we're still there. Everyone still comes out. We still, you know, we still sing, we sing for Danny DiCchio, Um Still we come <laughs> around, we um, buy our expensive beers um, we share war stories. I uh, and I don't know. It's uh, I go back to the very beginning when we had our little stadium that in the first year it shook because it was so poorly built um, that when <laughs> the fans stamped their feet, my parents called me to say, "Is the stadium actually shaking? Are you in danger?" <laughs> they were worried because they're like, "It's shaking on television. We're concerned." Aww. Um. And uh, 
I mean, that feels like home for us. Yeah, that's, that, that's, well, this it, is it, a very strong much... appeal to how I feel about I should be at a stadium where I'm in at least like a 1% chance of losing a limb. Well, You're... exactly. So we, we sort of missed, well, not sort of, I, I, I missed that uh, a little with the recent uh, renovations. Um, you know, we're a team that sold a, basically sold a player in order to get grass in our stadium. Um, and uh, all of us nerdly watched a city council meeting where the city council approved going into our stadium on like a Tuesday afternoon at 1230 or something. All you can see is TFC Twitter are you watching this? Are you watching this? Here's the lake channel 10. It's like the community channel. It's the worst thing ever. It's like low rent C-SPAN. Um, you know, we've all suffered and you know what? All three of our teams have suffered a lot, but God damn it. Toronto, we've st- we're still suffering. So follow up question. We in the supporter shield and I got to hold it and that made me happy. Follow up question to that because you <laughs> mentioned Danny Dicchio who I think scored the first goal in your team's history on commemorative seat cushion night, which led to yes. lots of seat cushions flying through the air. My question is, will there, if, if Toronto FC wins this round, will there be seat cushions at MLS cup? Because I feel like that's the best way to ensure a victory. <laughs> I don't think Toronto FC will ever do that again. And that's unfortunate. We have asked them, we have said, come on, like just, Please, please, we beg of you because freaking amazing would that be. I don't know if anyone noticed, uh, if anyone saw the game in which Justin Morrow scored his hat trick, that people were throwing their hats onto the pitch. Um, so yeah. that was as close as we've, as we've come to that moment since. But we, uh, yeah, we would love something like that for uh, just just some sort of commemorative thing to do that. But I will say... Um, at the end of the first season, the last game of the season, there was a pitch invasion of which I was part of because, yeah. Um, and I, my seats, if any of you have been to BMO Field, my original seats were in the upper deck, and I got my butt downstairs and onto that pitch faster than you can possibly believe. <laughs> um, there will be, if, if TFC win, if TFC beat Columbus and play whoever, apparently Houston is now doing things um you will see a pitch invasion if they manage to win um which we wanted to do after the easter conference final last year and the security stopped us it was quite funny um but no no seat cushions no ops people ever want to clean that mess up ever again which is unfortunate because it was awesome so traditionally my last question when we have guests on to preview a game is is how should DC United game plan for you? And instead of asking a similar question, I just want to ask you guys why the other team is bad. We've been we, we've had a pretty good feel good love fest. Uh, a lot of Toronto, <laughs> Columbus mutual appreciation happening tonight, and I just want to put an end to that now because you guys are supposed to be a rivalry. You're the Trillium Cup, damn it! So so oh, oh, Josh, wait, or just Josh. answer what. Josh, Josh, yeah, this is yeah, Josh. Forget, forget the DC guys. Um, we were talking about this on our show tonight. Uh, whoever wins this series gets the Trillium Cup for good, and then we just stop playing for the stupid cup. Okay, <laughs> deal. Yeah, I don't, I don't think anybody would notice the difference. <laughs> 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 well, 
Well, that just completely preempts my my last question. So, uh, <laughs> it was better. Yeah, it was better. It was better. Um, <laughs> should we just forego with any closing argument then and get out of here? Yeah. All right. Uh, thank you all for listening to this. I think this was a pretty raging success. I was really enjoying this segment. Uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, Kristen, where can where can our listeners find you on the internet? Uh- you can find me at uh, Casey Knowles on the Twitters and at Vocal Minority CA. Josh, same question. Uh, on Twitter, I am at Kamikaze Pilot 42. Those are numerals 4 and 2. And uh, my writing's on Massive Report. Find us at blackandredunited.com. We're also at patreon.com slash filibuster if you feel like supporting us financially. Find us on Twitter at filibusterdcu for the podcast at Black and Red U for the website. Send your emails to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, whatever podcatcher you choose to like or don't choose to like. If it's forced, if you're forced to like it, find us there too. Mostly though, tell a friend about the show. That's the best way to get the word out. Uh, for Jason and Ben and thanking Josh and Kristen one more time I'm Adam and we'll talk to you real soon say goodbye Jason Who chameleon's time is coming <laughs>